Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. The Treasury Minister is here with me at the podium, and he will be updating us about what he and his team have been doing to support our people, our businesses, and our economy. He will also be able to answer any questions at the end. On Zoom today, we have the Minister for Health and Social Care, as well as our Director of Public Health. Before that, we will go to our regular updates, starting with the Minister for Health and Social Care on today's numbers. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. The total number of tests undertaken stands at 43,527, and the total number of tests concluded also stands at 43,527. There is no one therefore awaiting results from processing in the lab. We have identified 17 new cases in the last 24 hours, bringing our total number of cases to 1,503. Of those, 858 are active cases, and of those active cases, 16 are in hospital, two in ICU. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, David. Now, we continue to see unexplained cases. This is deeply frustrating, of course, and the team has been redoubling its efforts to see if we can understand why this is happening. We have spoken here about this and what might be happening before. Our Director of Public Health told us last week about one possible reason relating to what might be a long incubation period for the Kent variant. But beyond that, now that we have been in this latest lockdown for nearly three weeks, we should not be seeing those unexplained, unlinked cases unless people are not following the rules. We know that there has been spread because of people going to work with symptoms and the volume of traffic still on our roads suggests that too many people are still coming into the workplaces. Let me hand over to our Director of Public Health for her update, Dr Hewitt. Thank you, Chief Minister. Yes, the, the good news is that the curves, as everyone can see on the um, graphs on the website, are now beginning to come down nicely, whether we're looking at the three-day average, the seven-day or the 14-day average. But they are going a bit slower than we'd like, and that's linked to, as the Chief Minister has just mentioned, um, the continuing um, number of community cases that are not linked to um, known positive cases. And the reasons for that, yes, it may be that the Kent variant is likely to be a little bit longer in its infectious period. And we're seeing that reflected by the number of cases who are still positive at the day 13 test. But it's also because people are still out and about when maybe they shouldn't be. And when we do our contact tracing, it's surprising how many people um, will actually say, yes, they had a symptom, they had a new cough or whatever, but they thought it probably wasn't COVID, so it was okay for them to go to work. So it really is important that if you have any symptom, you stay out of the workplace and you, you stop mixing with others and contact 111 for assessment and testing if appropriate. Um, and the sooner we all do that, the sooner we should see the end of these sporadic community cases. And that will help us to, to really bring this outbreak under control. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr Ewart. We have to protect our critical services. If we don't, they may not be there when we need them most. Of course, I'm in our hospital, but I also mean our police and other emergency services, our food producers and retailers, our pharmacists, our dentists, our prison staff, and so many other people who keep our island safe and moving. 
we must not take them for granted. We are a small island with limited resilience. Every time anyone goes out and mixes with another household, there is a risk. Risk of spread of this virus. A risk to our critical services and businesses. And of course, a risk to us being able to exit this circuit break in a timely manner. The message is clear, but I will say it again. Stay at home unless it is essential for you to leave. I cannot say it clearer than that. The rules apply to you too. And if you're going into the workplace, is it really essential? And if you are an employer, are you putting your employees and your island at risk by insisting they come in or even just allowing them to do so? Our businesses want this lockdown to be over as soon as possible. The vast majority of our businesses are doing the right thing. We are grateful for that and we know that it is tough and we are doing what we can to support them. And I feel this is a good time now to hand over to the Treasury Minister. Thank you very much, uh, Chief Minister. So uh, difficult days, uh, I know, for the uh, community and particularly difficult days um, for businesses and indeed for individuals who are worried about their jobs. I wanted to take the opportunity uh, this afternoon to update you on what we were doing uh, in terms of supporting the community, supporting the economy and seeking to stabilise uh, the economic circumstances that we are facing, give you an idea of the scale of that support and also just talk briefly about what we're doing um, for the future. Now I'm going to do that with the aid of uh, some slides. I do appreciate that some people may be listening on the radio and I'll do my very very best to um, verbalise what's in front of uh, pe those people who are watching uh, on the screen. So if we can just turn to the uh, presentation please now. Okay, so um, I just want to talk the three the three core objectives that, that we are working to, and which I've just insinuated then in my opening uh, remarks, are stabilising the economy, protecting people uh, and jobs, and indeed investing uh, in our future. It's the first two that I think will be of immediate um, concern to you, but it is also important that we take the opportunity to direct investment uh, and funds that we have available into ensuring that we have uh, a proper pathway out of uh, the current situation and that we are taking the opportunity to invest in core areas which are apparent to us uh, at the moment uh, and which will be critical for the island to develop into the future. So this slide here will show you the uh, scale of the support that we are currently um, delivering to our island. The support uh, schemes at the top, the three uh, salary support, the MIRA and the CBSS are our key flagship schemes. We've paid out £63 million so far in salary support, supporting about 11,000 jobs and individuals um, on the island over the period to date. MIRA, payable to those who are either not receiving their income from their employer or without work because of the uh, situation, uh, is currently paid out £11 million and is on average supporting 2,500 people through these lockdown period. And the CBSS is the uh, Coronavirus Business Support Scheme, um, which is paid out uh, to 2,500 businesses and uh, uh, about £22.5 million worth of uh, support. And then below that, uh, on your screens, hopefully you'll see other specific schemes that have been brought forward in specific sectors. The Strategic Capacity Scheme, £8.6 million to our hotels uh, and accommodation providers. £600,000 there to associated tourism businesses who are suffering from very individual needs. 
The 7.3 million pounds is a new scheme and I'm going to talk about that in a minute or two but we do need to bring in additional support at the moment to help support the economy uh, and we've paid £1 million to our fishing businesses. That's not just because of the circuit breaks, but also because of the impact that those uh, individuals and businesses have uh, encountered because of the Brexit situation. And these schemes have been supported by a range of other uh, funds and initiatives that we've brought forward, not least the support that we've offered via banks um, for our businesses to access working capital loan schemes. And finally, at the bottom there, um, you will see other initiatives that we've uh, previously launched, uh, including the VAT deferral last year uh, option. That was for, for any business that, that uh, needed to access a deferral option and the 5% rate for uh, hospitality, which uh, now will continue in until um, this September. So how successful have we been with these schemes? Well, these charts uh, uh, that I'm just quickly going to show you probably reflect uh, a, an indicator of, of what sort of business productivity um, we've had over the period. You'll see um, from the unemployment perspective, we were pre-pandemic uh, running at our lowest figure for nearly 20 uh, years. Approximately 450 people were unemployed, but you know, almost immediately uh, we brought in the lockdown. You can see how that figure climbed up to a, to a new peak of 1,350 people. Um, but since then, the situation has stabilised. Um, and in fact, we did have a dead steady decline through to uh, the beginning of January. But uh, clearly, that was when we brought in uh, the, the circuit breaker in, in the first circuit breaker in, of this year. Uh, and you'll see that unemployment has started to rise again. And similarly, uh, again, without going into huge detail, you see that wave effect uh, on this chart, which shows the vacancies that have been um, informed and advertised via the, uh, via the job centre. Again, we had a huge uh, dip in uh, March, April and May last year. But uh, actually, between July uh, and December this year, there has been quite a lot of stability uh, in the employment market in terms of the numbers of vacancies that have been um, brought to our attention via the, uh, via the uh, job centre. But it is a difficult situation that we are in at the moment. Um, there really has been a compound effect uh, in terms of the impact on businesses, given the fact that we went into a first circuit breaker in January, we had a bit of a disrupted February with some weather events, and of course on the 3rd of March we once again went into lockdown. We recognise that there is going to be uh, increased pressure, particularly on uh, individuals as well. Um, so the mirror payment has been increased for, for this uh, period from 200 to 230 pounds uh, a week. The salary support scheme has also been increased by a similar amount from 280 to 310 pounds per week. And the uh, CBSS, the, the business support grant, uh, was paid out 1,500 pounds as soon as it was recognised that we were going into uh, a three week um, lockdown. Clearly, the news uh, last week uh, on Friday from the Chief Minister that uh, informed us all that we were going to go uh, till at least the 6th of April until we started to open up meant that we've had to take further action. So the MIRA now is extended until at least the 12th of April 2021. So if you're claiming MIRA, uh, you can do so now until at least the 12th of April. The salary support scheme is open for uh, April for the same sectors as in March and it's also likely that we'll have salary support open to help businesses regain momentum providing we can get them open um, in April. And this week we will pay out a further £1,000 directly to businesses that have already registered through the coronavirus business support scheme. On to the, to the announcement really for, for today. 
Um, because of this compound effect, um, you know, we're well aware now that there are a number of businesses who really are suffering quite significant cash flow shortages. So that we are bringing forward an additional business support grant, which will use the annual rates bill as a proxy. And on production of that rates bill for qualifying businesses, then they will receive that the amount of that rates bill uh, as, as a cash um, grant. And just for information, we think the average sort of rates bill for those hospitality and non-essential retail businesses is about £3,500 on average, although that will clearly depend on the size uh, of the premises now that the business is operating from. But that will give an, an, a good idea of what we are now going to push into the uh, economy to help keep these businesses open, really to keep the jobs um, stable and ensure that people are protected as much as possible. And finally, there is a, uh, a one-off payment of £250 available for those hospitality businesses who voluntarily closed um, during the 27th and 28th um, of April. Just to give you a quick flavour of how much that's costing the taxpayer uh, and the community, that's £21 million we estimate will be paid out uh, in March to protect uh, jobs, stabilise the, the economy, um, ensuring that we're not left uh, in, 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 uh, with any long-term scarring in terms of unemployment or business uh, closures where at all possible. And finally, this slide here will just show um, how, uh, through these support schemes, we're trying to encompass as many situations as possible, but particularly in the middle there uh, now for the, for, the, for the business community uh, to keep these businesses open, to help keep, uh, ensure that we've got jobs, to ensure that we've got a platform for recovery. There's now quite a lot of options uh, open for uh, individuals and, and companies to, to access uh, the relevant support packages. And finally, uh, Chief Minister, very quickly, um, I do appreciate... Uh, that um, uh, uh, the future may not uh, be uh, uh, on a lot of people's minds at the moment as we try to deal with the immediacy of the, uh, the problem. But we do have an economic recovery group going. We've got three core work streams there. Uh, our island, our people, our domestic economy. We have a number of initiatives running under each of those. Uh, and then finally, in the longer term, um, we have a, have a strong focus on developing a new economic strategy for the island to provide a, a strong uh, direction for the future, uh, both in terms of uh, where we need to invest our money, but also the strongest areas that are going to bring the best return uh, to the island as well. So these are, are difficult times. Uh, I do understand that. Um, and we are upscaling our support uh, in response. I've said all along that our economy... Uh, and economic fortunes are directly interlinked to, to the health situation. I'd ask everybody now for a determined effort in the next couple of weeks, two weeks, uh, to get these numbers down, to mitigate the risks, um, to stay at home where possible. And I, like everybody, you know, I want to start getting uh, people back to work, if possible, on the 6th of April to ease some of the pressure on them, their families, you know, but also to ease some of the uh, economic pressures as well that uh, we're facing. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Alf, and, and thank you to the teams who have got the support schemes up and running, and most importantly, money into the pockets of people so quickly. I mentioned before our food and other essential retailers. They play such a crucial role in our island, doubly so during a lockdown. They are working hard to keep us fed and ensure that we have what we need to keep going. We have been working with them to make sure they can, and they have asked me to pass on some important messages. First, Please think of others. Respect people's space. Don't lean over them to reach things. Be patient. Social distancing rules apply. 
even when you are wearing a mask. Secondly, only buy what you need. There are no supply issues. Try to visit stores at different times to avoid queues. And please avoid shopping during times that have been arranged for the elderly, the vulnerable and key workers. Secondly, please shop safely wherever possible. Shop on your own. Where there are sanitising stations, please use them. Only handle things that you plan to, to buy. And third, please respect those working in our shops. They are working for us and we owe them all our gratitude. Now I know that our announcement on teaming up or support bubbles caused a lot of interest and a lot of questions on Friday and over the weekend. I know the announcement caused a certain amount of confusion and I apologise for that. With the benefit of hindsight, we could have waited 24 hours and got all the guidance ready before announcing it. But we knew that there were people who were desperate for support and we wanted to get the news out as soon as possible. In this case, we did get it rushed, not right. But officers worked over the weekend to get guidance and other important documents ready. That guidance on our Manx support bubbles is now published and we will update it as this develops. People who, have, may, who may have difficulties accessing the website can call the community support line on 686 262. As I said on Friday, the Council of Ministers' intention behind this change was to allow those who live alone or lone parents to be able to seek support from another household. This is about people who need support. We are trusting you to see if it is what it is. We are fully aware that a small minority may seek to push this and abuse this trust, and we will take action if this becomes necessary. One concern we have is people chopping and changing their bubble. In other jurisdictions, they have rules about air gaps, 10 or 14 days, between an old bubble and a new. Given that we hope to exit this lockdown in April, we do not think that that system would work here. Instead, we will be asking those who do need to bubble to do so with the same person or people until at least the 6th of April. Over the weekend, the community support line took a number of calls on support bubbles. One common question was round whether these bubbles could also exist outside the home. So whether those who have decided they need a support bubble can share a car and exercise with others from that bubble. I can confirm that we are content for those who have decided that they have a need to enter a support bubble to extend this outdoors. They can car share and exercise together. We will need to make some changes to our legal decisions and directions so this will come into effect from the first minute of Wednesday this week. And revised guidance will be available tomorrow. But I do also need to be clear, as we have done on a number of occasions, that every time one household mixes with another, it can increase risk. People need to make the right decisions for them. This includes making decisions about maintaining social distance and the use of face coverings when these contacts take place. Remembering that anyone you have contact with could be positive is not a bad starting point when thinking about whether or not a support bubble is something you need. We will keep this under review. If we can do more as the days go on and the data tells us we can, 
then we will. Just before I go to questions from the media, I just want to touch on the question of our population who have now had one or two more or two doses of the vaccines. This is of course a fast-growing group of people. Later today or tomorrow, we will pass an important milestone of 30,000 of our people having had at least one dose. But we do need to remember that the vaccine doesn't make us immortal. It doesn't prevent us from catching the virus. Neither can we be sure that it prevents us from passing it on to others. We need to keep going with the basics. Let's go to questions from the media. And first today I have a Simon Richardson from Business 365. Good afternoon, Simon. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. I have a couple of questions posed by Business 365 readers today for you. Um, I guess they could be for yourself or Minister Ashford. Firstly, um, Guernsey is today shifting to its level three, in effect moving out of lockdown. That's after 21 days without a community transmission, as, as we did in January after 21 days being clear of community spread. Do these rules still apply with our current lockdown? And if so, we haven't actually reached day one yet, have we? Which would therefore mean, I suppose, that the end of lockdown is likely to be much further away than we're being led to believe. Well, thank you, Simon, for that question. I think it's important to say that we gave the, the date of the 6th of April as when we hoped to start loosening the requirements, not to come out fully. And then uh, the week later, if the data is allowing us, then we can look to come out um, in more detail from, from the lockdown. And that's why the unexplained cases are so critical to that data and people following the rules and staying at home where they can. Yes, I know people have got to go out and shop for, for, for food and, and maybe get medicines and maybe visit um, a vulnerable member of the, of the community. But staying at home as much as possible, wearing a mask when you're out and social distancing, that will help us get to the dates that we reckon are achievable if everyone follows the rules. I don't know, David, if you wish to expand on that, please. Yeah, if I could, Chief Minister. I think the key point, Simon, is that if everyone follows the rules, then the quicker we will get there to not having these unexplained cases popping up and the quicker we will be able to release restrictions. The Chief Minister's quite right. When we gave the indications of the 6th and the 12th, that was around starting to release. Um, this is much more like last year where it will probably be released on a gradual basis um, rather than in January where we were very fortunate in being to pretty much be able to unlock immediately. Um, but in terms of unexplained cases, it is worrying that we are still getting them. And again, it shows why, we, as frustrating as it is, we do all need to stick to the rules because by doing that, we will actually be able to get back to some form of normality a lot quicker and I'm sure that's what all of us want. Yeah, I think it's worth pointing out, Simon, I think Guernsey, I was speaking to their Chief Minister today, I think they've come out today, um, it's taken them about eight weeks and I was speaking to the Chief Minister of Jersey today too and I think they still have a small number of active cases in the community so it, it's we, we, we can do this together. We've done it before. We'll get out of this, but it's only by working together and people following the rules that we'll get out sooner rather than later. Your next question, Simon. Yeah, thank you. And following on that theme in a way, looking at the current cluster in context, that's just one index positive case identified on the 15th of February has led to five weeks later 
I think, 1,050 or so positive cases at huge financial cost to government and, of course, the business community. Now, our position would now seem to be much more aligned closely to that in the UK. Um, with the great success of the vaccine rollout, both there and here, the overriding primary objective of protecting the vulnerable from serious illness and death will have been achieved by the end of April, um, following the vaccination, I think, of all over 50s by, is it the 15th of April? Now, would it not be now sensible to consider following the UK and unlocking the economy, including our borders, in line with them? Well, I suppose it goes on data, making sure that we have the vaccine that, that it arrives in time, Simon. But we need to take that on board. Of course, what you've said is, is an option. Um, it, it's, it's one that we feel we need to ensure that the people under 50 um, are, are given the vaccine too. If you look at the um, age groups of those who are catching the, the vaccine and maybe being in hospital, the age group is now on that lower end of people. So we feel that they need to be protected too, but uh, maybe the health minister might like to come in and, and expand on that. Yeah, if I could, Chief Minister, um, just to say, Simon, that yes, I mean, nothing is set in stone. We've said that all along, that if things move much quicker and much better than we expect, then it's possible we may be able to move to our exit plan a lot quicker than anticipated. But we're going to be data driven on this. And one of the important things to say about the UK is, yes, it's important to get all those who are vulnerable to the uh, virus vaccinated as quickly as possible, which is what we are doing. But equally, if you look at the hospital statistics in the UK, they are actually seeing a cohort of people just under that what you would class as vulnerable bracket being hospitalised. And one of the other measures that we put in place was to protect our NHS and um, to make sure the NHS doesn't get overwhelmed. So it's important that while those who are vulnerable to serious illness and potentially death are protected, it's also important we look at how many potential patients the hospital could end up with dealing with. And one of the things the UK figure is showing is that age group has slightly gone down. Um, over recent months for whatever reason. So we just need to be a bit careful about saying everyone over 50 vaccinated and in the vulnerable groups, and that's the end of it, and we can release. That's, it's not quite as simple as that. Thank you, Thank David. You. I know, Simon, I was again speaking to um, Guernsey. They, their exit strategy is saying July or later. We're saying August. So we've said our, our date isn't set in tablets of stone as the health ministers just said if things go really well for us over here and the uk data is really good and and reduces significantly their infection rates and problems then it, it's something that we can move nothing's set in tablets of stone and we do monitor it all the time thanks very much simon next we have is sam turton from jeff good afternoon sam faster my uh, first to my Chief Minister, with the outbreak of COVID amongst bus drivers, we now have two high-profile government-owned businesses that have had a spread amongst staff. Just in terms of saying that private businesses need to do more to protect staff and to make sure people stay at home when they can if they have symptoms, does the government need to look at its own businesses in this line as well? Yeah, well, I was sorry to hear about the um, high number of our bus drivers that have contacted COVID-19. They do an incredibly important job, along with a, another, you know, a lot of other groups of people keeping the island going. And I was disappointed to hear that so many of them have caught it. I hope, wish them all um, a very speedy recovery. Now, I, I obviously, I've asked to ensure that they are receiving PPE equipment, and I'm told the shields are up on the buses. They're provided with hand-washing gel, 
um, gloves, masks, and that the bus they drive is the one they have all day so they don't chop and change. But, but really it's also asking people not to go on the buses unless you really need to go on. I'm, I'm getting complaints about people going joyriding on, on, on the buses like you would in a normal time. Now, that's fine in a normal time when we haven't got COVID, but going on the buses for out sightseeing in, in the day, that's putting our bus drivers at risk and putting the island at risk. So I would ask people to respect our bus drivers by A, making sure they wear a face mask when they go on board, pay with contactless um, cards, so it's reducing the risk to our bus drivers, but anything that we can do from a safety procedure to ensure our bus drivers are protected, then I do expect our Department of Infrastructure to, to, to provide that support. But that's just in terms of actual, the public, in terms of what is management actually doing, because we've heard from Unite saying that they've had a lot of concerns which they've consistently raised with bus van and management, and they seem to have gone unheeded until very recently. Right. Well, I, I have received the letters too, and uh, you know I will be taking this offline with the Minister of Infrastructure. But I have been ensured that the full PPE has been given to the the drivers since the start of this outbreak. So, if that's not the case, then obviously I will be having words. But I've been reassured that that is the case that they have had full PPE. But of course, it's really important that we do look a, look after all of our front serving um, staff, and and our bus drivers are are very important. Thank you. And just as a bit more of a positive thing, hopefully, you said about data leaving this, not dates. Obviously, Easter weekend will fall just before our potential sort of reopening as things stand. Is there a chance, perhaps, for people um, towards deck chairing, perhaps that weekend? It's a very important weekend for people, both socially and religiously, on the island. Do you reckon there's a chance where if people are following the rules, we could see that, or are we unlikely to see any gatherings at all going towards Easter? Well, it's, it's something I personally would like to see, but really it, it is in the hands of the public. If people continue going into work showing classic signs of, of a new cough and infecting their colleagues, which has happened on a number of occasions now, then we're not going to get there. If people keep on going out when there's no need to, we're not going to get there. So it's, it's in the hands of the public, really. The Great Manx public have not let us down before, and I implore everyone, please, to... If you feel you are ill, don't go into work, stay at home, ring 111 and, and get tested. And, you know, if you don't need to go out, don't go out. And if everyone follows that rule, then we can be looking at opening up. We, we've all said all along there won't be a sudden opening up, Sam, on the 12th. We'd like to open up things slightly earlier. Gradually, um, an outdoor events such as deck chairing is something that, you know, we would like to see happen. But it really is in, in the hands of the people of the island. Thank you. Thanks very much, Sam. Next, we move on to Paul Moulton from Isle of Man Television. Good afternoon, Paul. Fast am I. Thank you. I should point out today you realise it's the 22nd of March. And do you remember where we were this time last year? I don't, Paul. You better remind me. It was lockdown day. It's now been a year since you, oh, you did right. the first I, it was, I, I'm remembering another date when we had our first case. So, yeah, they, they all blur into one. It, it, it's 12... 12 months has gone in, in, in a flash, hasn't it? Not an enjoyable 12 months for any of us. So my first question is for Mr. Cannon, and I remember you doing your big presentation a year ago, but we, we interviewed a, a restaurant uh, recently and wasn't getting very far. He's, he's emailed me tonight, so I hope this makes some sense. He's been offered £250 payment when he lost £6,000. And the government would not allow any salary support for that particular week, despite being down 28%. Uh, 
this will be going back to the that that Saturday lockdown, I believe. Is there hope for him? Is this a mistake? Are you looking at these sort of things again? We keep talking about people falling between the cracks. Well, I think, Paul, the headline uh, today will be an additional £7.3 million, which we are putting into uh, the very sort of businesses you've, you've just been um, talk to, talking, uh, talking about. Uh, and, you know, we're going to do that, as I said, by using the rates bill as a proxy for that cash uh, investment. I think a lot of, lot of businesses um, are feeling the compound effect, as I said, of now of uh, circuit break in January, difficult February, uh, and a circuit break now through March and extending into April. And we're going to make sure that we've got the right support packages in place to keep these businesses as stable as possible. And again, in terms of that individual uh, uh, business. We did have the uh, salary support scheme also open for February, so we had it open for January. We had it open for February if they qualified, and uh, and indeed, it's, of course, it's open for March. And you know, applications for that scheme, you simply had to declare that you were suffering a turnover uh, a shortfall by about 25% comparative to your previous years. So, if that restaurateur's earnings for that month were down, then he then he or she could go and get. Um, the salary support, the same as uh, everybody else. And as I said, the, the £7.3 million that we're injecting in today will go a long way, I think, to help support uh, these businesses and put extra money into their uh, bank accounts to help see them through what is definitely a very difficult period for them. Uh, my question for you, Chief Minister. I mean, you, you know that we're getting these unexplained cases. You cannot be surprised. You just said yourself you've been in touch with the, your colleagues in the Channel Islands, and they have been chasing these for weeks. So what's next on your arsenal of things you can do? I mean, stopping people going too far from their houses, using their cars to go on long distance trips, try and bring in some more measures, or will we just have to keep going until, goodness knows when, when these unexplained cases come to an end, or do we go for the end of eradication and just start to live with it? Well, it, it's a good question, Paul, and I suppose it's data. The cases are down to 17 today. The number of unexplained are in the single digits. If we can get it down to zero, we will we'll come out of this without having to implement any further changes. I seriously and genuinely do not want to to bring in any more draconian measures to drive this out of the out of the island, and it really is up to the people of the island to do their utmost to stop it spreading. Um, so. We'll, do, we'll just have to see what happens, Paul. Obviously, if we see another uptake and a spike of unexplained cases in the, in the next week or so, then the Council of Ministers will have to take advice from our medics and our Director of Public Health to see whether we need to take um, further action. But I, I hope the measures that we've put in place will enable us to get shut of these unexplained cases. As I fully expect there to be a, a, a period of time as we have cases of people already in isolation, maybe household transmission um, of people who have already had it. But it's it's those unexplained cases where the problem is. I don't know, David, if you'd like to expand on that at all. Yeah, if I could, if I could come in, um, Chief Minister. Yeah, I, I think, Paul, the key point is we are seeing the graph at the moment going in the right direction. It's going a lot more, smo uh, um, a lot more slowly than perhaps we would have hoped but it is going in the right direction um unexplained cases are frustrating at the moment but i don't think at the moment we need to take any additional measures in relation to that um but all we can do really is urge people if you follow the rules then we will stop further community spread and that will get us all to a much better position um, i know there's a lot of people out there who are locked down fatigued 
Um, I must be honest, I think I'm pretty fatigued with it myself. Um, but by working together and ensuring that we do follow the rules for the foreseeable future, that will get us to a much better place and back to some form of normality a lot quicker than we would otherwise. And like I've said before, that is, I think, what we all crave. So as frustrating as some restrictions may be, if people follow them and realise why they're there, we as a community will get back to where we were a lot quicker than otherwise. But if we don't see it, drop, let's say this time next week, we're in exactly the same place. Have you got anything else in your arsenal that you can bring in to help those numbers go down? Well, we can tighten up the movement of people, Paul, uh, which, which we did at the, the start of the first outbreak. But let's hope we don't get there. The figures are looking promising. They're not as going down as quickly as we'd hoped, but they are going down. So we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But thank you very much, Paul. And we, now we have another Paul, Paul Hardman from All of My Newspapers. Good afternoon, Paul. Faster my. Good evening, Masters. Uh, we've seen for some time that the Speaker of the House, Mr Watson, has been publishing the day's earlier set of case figures on social media, in addition to extra details about them. Do you think it's appropriate for members of Timwald to release COVID-19 statistics which are not made available to the public? Um, well, normally we ask that people don't publish data until it's 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 official. So we give the official numbers here. But I know um, Timwell members are keen to support members of the public and and their or their constituents and give them the latest updates. I, I wasn't aware that information was being shared before the the briefings, but. Um, I, so I'll, I'll have to um, look into that. But I think it's important that obviously not everyone gets to listen to our briefings or, or, or listen to the radio adverts, etc. So or, or read the newspaper. So if the members are putting out the, the data to their, their constituents, I think that's important that we get as much um, spread of the, of the data as possible. Well, it wasn't just a case of him revealing information early. He also revealed, for example, that a... COVID patient had been sent to hospital in the UK, which is not something that the government ever divulged to the public. Right. Well, I, I wasn't aware of that, so um, we, we'll have to have a look on that. We are, we are, um, we always try to be very cautious about personal um, details. It may well be that that's acceptable um, because the, the person's age and and and, um, and for greater details haven't been shared. But um, we'll have to look into that. I can't really comment. Thank you. Secondly, is it possible to say at this point, once the two-dose program is complete, whether further vaccinations will need to be given, for example, like an annual flu jab, or to adapt to any new variants which may emerge? Are there any long-term plans for this yet? Well, I'll, be, I'll bring in the Director of Public Health on this one, um, Paul, but I think it's important to say that we don't know yet how long this vaccine will last for. Um, it could well be that a new vaccine comes out that lasts, you only have to have one jag, um, which is what I hope it will, will, will be, and um, it could be an annual basis. But Dr Ewart might be able to give a far more detailed answer. Uh, yes, thank you, Chief Minister. In fact, the answer is going to be brief. It's that we don't know. Nobody knows. We don't know how long immunity lasts from the vaccinations that are being given at the moment. And of course, there's always the risk that the virus can mutate into a variant that could evade the vaccine, either partially or completely. So the upshot of that is that we do not know whether there will need to be boosters and whether or not those boosters might need to include tweaks in the vaccine to make it effective against new and emerging variants. So nobody is yet in a position to make any plans about that. 
Um, but it will become clearer as we go forward, obviously. We're still in the early days of this vaccination programme. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. I hope that's cheered you up. Um, but I'm sure we'll get through this together on, on, on that one. Technology moves on. I'm sure we'll, we'll be fine. The vaccines have been going great guns for us so far. Next, we move on to Leanne Cook from 3FM. Good afternoon, Leanne. Fast am I. Uh, good afternoon. My first question is for the Health Minister. I'm just wondering if you have an estimate of how long the current waiting list is for elective surgeries at Nobles Hospital. We just had a few members of the public inquiring, obviously, if they have an operation due. In terms of elective surgery, Leanne, it depends upon the speciality. Um, there's some specialities where the lists haven't dramatically increased and then there's others such as orthopaedic where now they've been three times delayed where the lists are increasing. Um, the waiting list times are going to vary. Um, so figures I give today may be out of date next week, to be perfectly frank, um, because it also depends how long it takes for us to get over this phase and get back to normal with elective surgery. So again, any waiting list time that I may give at the moment is only indicative. I think what's actually important is what we do once this is over. And we are already looking to try and partner with UK institutions to try and help see if we can find ways to try and get our lists down. But again, as always, I do have to call about that because the UK is in a very similar situation where they have seen waiting lists expand so their system is also under pressure. Um, we do have pressures in areas like I say like orthopaedics at the moment um, but we will be looking once this is over to try and see what we can do to try and facilitate getting people their operation um, as early and quickly as we can because we do recognise there are some people now that have been actually prevented from having that operation multiple times. Thank you. And my second question is for the Treasury Minister. This is a question we've actually had from a member of the public. They've asked with tax return deadlines approaching, for those who have had to work at home for the entirety of the lockdown, will they be able to claim on expenses such as electric and heating? Is this something that the government is actively considering? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Leanne. There are some claims for, for home working. I think the assessor actually announced those um, last uh, year. Uh, obviously, that's going to depend on, on specific uh, set, set of circumstances. I really probably would uh, suggest that that uh, may apply on a case-by-case on -case basis, and I wouldn't uh, like just to make a carte blanche um, statement on, on that sort of sort of things. Um, so, so, you know, there is some allowances for, for home working, but... Uh, please carefully check um, the rules in that respect. And just a quick supplementary to that, if somebody wanted to check if, you know, they were eligible to that, what's the best, who's the best person for them to get in touch with? Uh, well, I mean, there's uh, plenty of uh, uh, directory numbers available for, for income tax. Um, and uh, I'm sure if they go online, they will see the uh, suitable uh, contact uh, details and email address if they want to write in. And look, fa failing that, they can write to me uh, directly and I'll make sure that their inquiry gets to the right person. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Leanne. Now we move on, last but not least, Tim Glover from Manx Radio. Good afternoon, Tim. Fast am I. Fast am I. Uh, Manx Radio listeners are getting in touch and just saying uh, that uh, don't you really need to be firmer here because people will bend guidance to suit their own conditions. I think we've heard that line from the Director of Public Health before. We're getting comments that it's a bit wishy-washy as it is at the moment, hard to understand in places. You seem to be blaming the public as, here, as well here. A specific question then, how are bubbles going to be policed? 
Well, it has to be an element of trust, Tim. We, we, we can't... First and foremost, and we're not blaming the public, we're just, we're just saying that we're seeing unexplained cases in the community, which, because we're three weeks into this lockdown, means that somewhere... Um, yes, we've got the, 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 the Kent variant can give a longer period of infection, but that somewhere people are going into work when maybe they shouldn't because they, they, they are ill. And I know the health minister wants to come in on this... Um, as, as well. So maybe um, David, and then I'll finish off answering to Tim. Yeah. So in terms of um, in terms of bubbles, Tim, we've got you know we've got there's got to be an element of trust out there. The the simple fact was if we over legislate for bubbles and we put too many rules in place, then they don't benefit the people who they were intended to benefit. We have to remember why this has come in. This has come in because we recognise that there are people who have been living alone. Um, who have now three times been isolated over the last 12 months. And many of those people have been suffering. They've been suffering from mental health issues. They've also been feeling very isolated. And it's important that we get support to those people. So that's why we've brought it forward. There will, in any situation, always be a minority that will try and abuse that situation. But I firmly believe the vast majority do understand what it's there for and that they will actually abide by it. And I think the the other key thing is um, it's you know it's around us all working together as a community. That's what got us through this last year was all of us working together, and we fought off this virus and we got back to for, for many many months of normality that other jurisdictions didn't see. And I firmly believe that if we all work together again, no matter how frustrated we may be at the current time that we're in this position again, then I think we will do exactly the same thing. We've got a great island community out there, and if we all pull together, we will have the same result as we did last time. Thank you. If I can just come in on that, Tim, and, and, and finish off the answer. All the jurisdictions have tried this bubble. It's worked. Um, Guernsey introduced it for the first time. They've had the bubble um, for, for people to share between two households that we've in, implemented too. So, yeah, it, it, as the health minister just, just said, it does come down to trust. We have to trust people, but it's not just about the concerns we have for people catching COVID. There are also the concerns, as the health minister said, with people with mental health and social isolation. And going forward, when we're out of this um, pandemic and the vaccine is, is protecting us and enabling us to get forward, social isolation will be one of the biggest killer of people going forward. And it's something we've got to take into account when we know we're, it's not going to be three weeks that we come out of this lockdown, it's going to be longer. And therefore, we had to look at the, the bubbles because we were getting an awful lot of people who were very distressed. They'd been on their own for a while and, and they were struggling to cope. And it's, it's always a fine balance. But if people follow the rules, we will be absolutely fine with this, Tim. Just to follow on that, because I did ask, how are you going to police it if people do abuse that trust? Well, you can't go around everyone's house counting and, and asking. Obviously, if someone's got several people around in their house or you, you see a party going on, well, the police will obviously be able to see that it's not um, just one household mixing with one vulnerable person. So there will be obvious pointers as, as to what you can do. But it's, you, you cannot police this properly. And yet we don't expect our police to be able to police this properly. It has to be a trust element. But as I said in my opening remarks, if it's abused, then we will have to revisit it and, and, and crack down hard on those people that do break the rules, Tim. Second question. A lot, a lot of people are 
questioning some of the figures and uh, one that's come up is 768 uh, people yesterday it was reported in the figures and I'm going to use the right phrase uh, were awaiting result notification and we had a positive result rate of 7.06%. So if you apply that, you'd have expected 54-odd cases today. We've got the 17, but the positive result rate now is 9.98% uh, has gone up. Uh, can we just have a, a bit of an explainer about how these figures are put together and, and why people are getting confused? Okay, David, do you want to comment on that? I know you were looking at this before. Yes, I was indeed, if you bear with me, um, Chief Minister, one second. I can actually give the full explanation as to why, um, because I did ask um, for a technical reason. Just bear with me one moment, Tim, if it'll come through. I'm with trying to do things off multiple devices. <laughs> right, so the reason, um, the, re the reason for it is, Tim, that... Where are we? Um, the awaiting results figure will have seen a huge drop, uh, drop because the swabbing centres have got back to updating the system after every single swab so that they, they can filter by just the swab taken. Not all bookings for clinical forms have been produced. So the hundreds have dropped, either did not attend or have not been yet swabbed. So the previous set of figures included those that hadn't yet been swabbed and also those that didn't attend appointments potentially. But because they're now updating literally in real time after each swab they've done, because they haven't got the same level of volumes, it gives a more accurate figure. Because again, this was just simply a snapshot figure. So this is now more live data. So I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, Tim, but... Um, well, I'm curious as to... Obviously, we had the, the big numbers over the weekend, but uh, the positive... Result rate was 7.06% yesterday, but is with 17 cases today has gone up to 9.89%, which would imply that it was quite a small sample that tested positive then. No, no, it was due to the fact that previously, the way that's been calculated, the awaiting test results notifications, they've previously included, because they couldn't filter them out, tests not yet carried out and did not attend. Um, so whereas now it is only swabs taken, so it's physical. The physical figure comes only from swabs taken. So that's why there'll be the difference between the two days. Because previously, prior to that, due to the numbers, they couldn't put it into the system in real time. So it also included basically the do not attends and also the swabs yet to be taken in to filter into the calculation. So should that have been sort of clarified within the data that was coming out that there was a, a change in some housekeeping? Um, I could, it should really, to be honest, have been badged up today to actually explain it. Um, I'm sorry that didn't happen. Um, I only became aware of it myself about an hour or so ago. But, um, but that is the reason why. It's because of the way the data's done. So they're back to real time now, inputting in after each swab taken. Thank you. OK. Thanks very much, Tim, and thank you all for those questions. I know many of you have now watched the recording of the vaccination programme that we put out this weekend. There have been over 19,000 views already on social media. And thanks as always to James Davis for facilitating that. We have a couple of other themes in the pipeline, but we are always open to ideas. We should be back on Thursday so that I can brief you on any decisions taken by the Council of Ministers and provide any further updates. Until then, please stay at home as much as you possibly can. We need to drive these cases down. 
If you do go out, please wear a face covering. If you do go out for exercise, exercise locally and exercise safely. Low-risk activities that avoid placing pressure on our emergency services should something go wrong. And please, if you show any symptoms at all, do not brush it off. Do not put others at risk. Stay at home and call 111. Please continue to make the right decisions for you, your family and our island. Thank you all very much.